Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so delighted today to be joined by the wonderful Frida Gustafsson to talk all about Netflix's Vikings Valhalla. And I was really interested in a lot of the research that you did for this role. Um, you know, I've, Valkyrie, the woman of the Viking world was one of the books that you've kind of cited previously as being a really big influence and a place where you found a lot of details. Um, you know, and where did, how did you kind of narrow down a lot of the research that you were doing to really find the components that were going to be the most useful in terms of forming your character and your performance in the show? Yeah, that that book was absolutely very informative for me in terms of just kind of decipher the society. I think because it is a historical show and Freyd is, is an historical person, even though, you know, what you know about her is so little. For me, it was really informative to kind of try to decipher the society and the societal structures. And because we're in the kind of overlapping age with paganism on the going out and Christianity coming in, Freitas is kind of in that window of, you know, where women were still, um, they still had that possibility to be the masters of their own fate. And it was very informative for me to see that kind of research showing that the decisions I made for the character were based in something real and not just a fabrication of an idea of a Viking woman. Yeah. And because there wasn't that much information, but little pieces, was there very much about the way that she grew up? Because one of the things that really struck me in terms of watching her and her brother on screen is that it, you know, it really feels like these are two characters who were raised by their father the same way that she wasn't treated differently. You know, she has the same strength, the same wit, the same logic in how she approaches things as her brother does. Yeah, absolutely. We spent a lot of time, me and Sam Corlett, who plays my brother, together with Deb Stewart, our showrunner, kind of navigating the intricate you know, relationships with Eric. And having a father of that notoriety, I think, in any society is a burden. I feel like Freyda's navigated that differently than her brother, perhaps because she is a woman and she doesn't have the same expectations of being this incredibly violent leader. Um, I feel like she kind of picked the raisins from the cookie in terms of, of the things that she wanted to pass on from him. And um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I lost my track there a little bit. No, I think that it's really interesting to hear about the relationship with her brother. And um, did you feel that there was kind of a different scope to her as a character once in the show, her and her brother are kind of on different paths and different trajectories and they're not together for a few episodes in the middle, um, you know, because it kind of felt like she was more introspective and a little bit more internal because he's the person that she shares the most with in the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think when Freitas and Leif arrive into the world, you know, they are outsiders and in a way they can work as a gateway for the viewers into the you know, expansive and ever-changing Viking world um, with the cause of actions. I mean, Freydis is quite impulsive in her decisions. In a way, she's almost radicalized in her belief when she arrives. And when she, you know, manages to fulfill her goals, a lot of things are set in motion, which really influences all those people around her that she really loves. And the separation from Leif is something that I found really incredible and very interesting to work with because she is all of a sudden left in the situation where she was so certain of going out a warrior's death and co coming to Valhalla honored and fulfilled in her desires. And after that happens, you know, it's almost like the character arc of a season happens in the first episode and starting episode two as a fresh you know, as a fresh slate was really interesting. She goes on this, like you say, very spiritual, almost introspective journey. And I really love that about the, the work with Freydis is that she is a, 
a very physical, very emotional character, maybe not a character per se of, of big speeches or many words. Yeah. And obviously you were bringing up her paganism and so much of the conflict within the show is between paganism and Christianity and, and kind of the crux between those two spaces within the Viking community. Um, you know, and we get to see a lot of moments where she's really connecting to her religion. You know, this moment where she kind of comes across this community in a temple and steps in there and really just have, has a space by herself in that moment, which was a great scene to watch. And so what are the facets that you felt came into her as a character because of her staunch beliefs that she's incredibly convicted? by? Well, something that I really found interesting was the, you know, the, in the pagan world, you don't have the same type of uh, preconceived ideas about what it is to be a woman. And in that sense, she was a bit more liberated in terms of sexuality and her body and the way that she could bear herself and travel around the world in a, in a pretty unguarded way. Um, those were aspects I really enjoyed about her spirituality. But also, I mean, she grew up in a very uh, ruthless, brutal world. And her belief is the belief of, you know, an eye for an eye. So in that sense, her spirituality and her belief informed me a lot about how she would react to certain things. Like she's impulsive. She's driven by, you know, there's a line in the show that I think is, is great. You know, the great Olaf says, revenge is the motive of the heathens. And I don't think there's any line that speaks truer for Freitas because that is what she's driven by, by what she really feels is right. And after she's gone through that experience of, of kind of finding that temple and having a moment of peacefulness, but then being confronted with, with death within that area as well, you know, there's the moment where she's talking to her brother Leif and talking about how the things that she's seen have really completely changed her and what was the trajectory and the shift that you wanted to create in her as, as a character at that point. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, at that point in the story, um, she has gone through so many cycles of, of learning to run and then tripping. And she's constantly, you know, experiencing death, you know, at, at the expense of her. I mean, she is, her decisions causes so many people that she loves, you know, to lose their life. So she also really struggles with the, um, with the part of accepting the, being a leader and being a person who carries the torch. I think she's really followed by a lot of guilt, even though she believes her actions were right. Survivor's guilt is strong and realizing that all of these people have sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice for her um, so she could live her truth is, is difficult. And at that point in the story, I really wanted to show the complexity of, of trying to own up to the mantle that's being you know, passed to you by people you respect, but at the same time feeling like, am I good enough for this? Is this really what's supposed to happen? So it's a, it's a decisive period in her life to say. Yeah. And with that journey into her kind of finding who she is as a leader and becoming a little bit more comfortable within that as the season goes on, it feels like a lot of that comes from her connection to Jarl, you know, who's a woman who is fearlessly running her own town, you know, hasn't fallen to an attack in a hundred years and is incredibly astute at what she does and also a real warrior and has all these women who are constantly training for battle and preparing, um, you know, and then your character goes into that training as well. And so how did you look at the character of Jarl and really look to the attributes that you felt like Freitas would really want to absorb and take into herself? 
Yeah, well, Yal Hokan, she is, yeah, all the things she say, I mean, she is, works as a great influence and a great mentor for Freydis. Um, like I said before, when she, Freydis arrives in the Kattegat in the kind of wider Viking world, she's almost like, she's almost radicalized in that sense. She is very, she lives in a world that's white or black, it's right or wrong, it's death, it's life, it's revenge. And um, the meeting of, of the Yal Hokan, she opens up, wider you know horizons for her makes her realize that there are gray zones you can't categorize everything so hard because it, it just doesn't work that way the world is more complex and has more layers and more texture than that so it's a it's a difficult path to walk realizing that everything you grew up believing might not be true and also the influence of of Harold to open a softness in her an acceptance of other things that she might not agree with. I think they together form a very important bond in opening Freitas to a more softer side of forgiveness and acceptance. Yeah. And with Yarl as well, you know, Yarl kind of like almost prophesizes Freitas in, in talk, telling her about a vision that she had and essentially being like, you're the last daughter, you're the person that I saw in that vision. It wasn't actually me. Um, what did you think that that really meant for Freitas as a character? And, and what did that kind of propel her to do in terms of a lot of the choices that she then makes? Yeah, uh, I think, like I said before, the kind of latter part of the season is the way that I constructed it. It's, it's a lot of Freitas in terms of accepting where she is. I feel like that's the greater theme of the show, or at least Freitas' arc for the first season, is, is acceptance of, of where you are and who you are and your circumstances. Um, so in, in learning that she is this almost chosen one type of person to a lot of people, it's difficult. It's very conflicting. First of all, I mean, you feel honored and you feel seen, which is something that any person in any time would want to be. But it's also terrifying because she realizes that, you know, this is going to come with great sacrifices again for everyone around her that she truly loves. But I think ultimately, Yal Hokan's opening of Freitas um, leads her to take certain decisions towards the end that I don't think she would have taken otherwise. Yeah, no, I really love that arc about her. Um, you know, and you were bringing up her relationship with with Harold and how that really gives a softer side. And in in terms of your performance and the way that you were shaping her as a character, you know, did that really kind of open up the possibilities and how you could play her as a character? Because it wasn't just about oh, I'm playing this woman who was really strong and and kind of grew into a leadership position. You really also get to acknowledge and play to the softer, more vulnerable side of her as a character. So you get that full spectrum within the way that they've written her in the scripts. Yeah, absolutely. I think something that I really wanted to work with and an idea that I found very interesting is when she arrives, you know, she has all of these emotional and physical traumas and, and scarring. And by solving that, in a sense, it doesn't make it completely go away. And she's still very shielded. I worked with that in a very physical sense of just slowly, slowly kind of reshaping the way that she moves and the way, it's, you know, to kind of let her shoulders drop a little bit she comes and she's almost animalistic in the sense she's very just instinct and in the meeting of Harold he manages to break her down in the sense that she can then be accepting of of love and to be able to see herself in the way that other people see her I think for a long time she has chosen not to see certain aspects of herself in order to fulfill her goal of revenge and ultimately 
she is made richer and fuller by the experience of receiving love. Yeah. And within their relationship as well, you know, it kind of feels like he's the one ready to like move a few steps forward and she's the one kind of holding, you know, just kind of like pausing things a little bit, like, let's just keep things where they are. Yeah. What, did you, what did you kind of feel were her reasons for kind of being the one to like dictate where the space is and, and having that hesitancy still? Um, well, I think the, um, the incredible or the incredibly horrific trauma that she has been uh, a victim of really informed me in, in terms of who she wanted to be sexually. She wanted to be a person who takes charge. She doesn't want to be held down. She wants to be the active part. And I think that is, you know, of, of course, a, a result of this horrific rape that she was victim of. And with that kind of transpiring through the season, it was something we worked a lot with me and Leo Suter, who plays um, Harold and Hannah, the director of the episode six. We wanted to really portray that difference and the tenderness and that really intimate, romantic thing as the first experience for Fetus. Perhaps it's something she's never experienced before. And we really wanted to show them the, uh, the duality of her sexuality in that sense. Yeah. And obviously with, with the horrific assault that, that is part of her backstory and part of her past, you know, there's that moment where she reveals her scar on her back to him very early on, which, which feels like a very vulnerable move. But I was also interested in, in how for you that informed your character, because that's a huge thing to, to have gone through what she's gone through and to be carrying that trauma and then to have a physical manifestation of that, that she can't necessarily see all the time, but is like very aware of and can feel on her body every single day. Yeah, that was something I spoke a lot with Jeb about, and we wanted that to not just be shown in the first episode and then you forget about it. So it is something we worked with in coming back. And, you know, as a character, I feel like the decisions I made for her in terms of how she's coping with this emotional and physical trauma is that she makes decisions to... uh, to not have it influence every single decision that she has in her life. It's there, um, but it's also not something that she's incredibly open with. So in sharing that with Harold, it's a, I would say for Fade is a much more intimate gesture than just having sex with him. I feel like that's something that she, it's, it's a very, very personal and very big emotional risk that she takes. And um, yeah, it was very interesting to play that scene. Yeah. And with that being one of the things that you and Jeb were talking about before filming, um, you know, because this the show was kind of greenlit for like the first three seasons up front, was he able to give you a lot more of a scope in terms of your character's arc or kind of how much did you want to know that was really useful going into shooting those first few episodes even? Well, Jeb is incredible. Jeb is one of the best storytellers. I mean, I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and talking to in my life. And you go into his office and you ask him one little question. And then it's like five hours later, we're like, yeah, 40 years later, this happens. And I'm just like making notes, trying to like catch, play catch up. But for me, I I wanted to have a a broad kind of scope of where we were going. But the way that I like to work, I I don't want to constantly be reminding myself that, that, you know, oh, this is going to happen. I like to enter every day and every scene with, you know, an openness and kind of exploring what happens. So we spent a lot of time just prepping, 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 prepping what, you know, informs her of her decisions. Why is she a very impulsive? Why is she very, you know, quick? Why is she very instinctual? Um, and then I, I, I like to discover the things as we, as we go along. <laughs> 
And going back to something that you were saying before about some of her movement and kind of those moments where she's skulking around people with kind of a very animal-like instinct. When you look at her fighting, that's really a part of it too. There's moments when she knows that she can take a second and she kind of wants to observe everything around her and, and kind of plan her next move. And so how did you set about figuring out what is her movement? What is the way that she fights from her personality um, within the show, particularly because before she goes through training, it's very much hand-to-hand combat for her. And it's just about the tools that she has and the emotion that it stems from. Yeah, I I mean, that's something that I work together with our incredible stunt performers team. I mean, they're so great at shaping, you know, the choreography and really identifying the different styles of Freitas and Leif and, and Harold. <clears throat> but something that I, w- I was, you know, really, that was really important for me to, to feel is that she grew up in a very harsh environment where you hunt for your own food. You have to be incredibly light and quick because you're dealing with things that you can't communicate with. So when you meet Freitas in the beginning, she moves like a hunter. She moves, yeah, like I said, almost in an animalistic way. And then we worked on during the season when she learns how to properly fight, to be more upright, to even, you know, reshape the muscles that I had on my body to be able to fight in a more upright, a more correct, trained way. So that was something that was very um, on the, you know, top of our minds when we created the kind of movements that Freitas would have. Mm-hmm. And what was kind of, cause you do a lot of your own stunts in the show as well. And when you look at the weaponry that you're fighting with, once she goes through that training, it just looks extraordinarily heavy as well, because it's, you know, a giant wooden <laughs> shield, you know, the, the swords are incredibly weighted, um, you know, and, and how did you kind of set about training with all of the weaponry with the weight involved and kind of making sure that it still had that fluidity of movement. And this felt like a completely natural thing to your character. Well, we started um, just kind of learning how to move. It's like dancing. You know, I got my little knife in the beginning. That was the first weapon. The first fight we worked on was the Berserker fight, which is the one in episode three, which I, I, I love the way that it turned out. I feel like that was very instinctual and very raw. And then, you know, as Freitas, I got to learn together with Freitas, which was really helpful for me because in the first couple of months of shooting, it was only knuckles, it was strangling, it was my little knife and just, you know, trying to survive. And then as the story and the the season progressed, um, yeah, I got to learn about all of these difficult and different weapons. So it was a learning together, which was really interesting. And jumping into to kind of talking about the last episode a little bit, because there's some great combat within that final episode. Um, I was interested in just hearing a little bit about shooting the, the scene where it's just like all of the cast on set and it's that massive fight sequence. And it's kind of the culmination of the series in terms of, of battles, um, because the camera is kind of going around and capturing every single character, every single intricacy. And so I imagine that it was a really, really intense shoot in order to be able to get all of that. Yeah, I mean, we did like the war week and it was so, so intense. We were were filming in Ireland and usually the weather is not amazing, but this week was just so sunny and it felt um, so prophetic in a way that it was so, you know, beautiful blue skies and you're there in your armor and you're, you're ready to fight. And all you could see was the enemy standing right there in in sunshine. And it was so um, informative of what it must, 
feel like to you know be in close combat with people and um yeah so we had a, a huge war week and uh, i filmed my big fight with yalcora in a day it's a very intense day you know you, you um, do the fight so many times you wear this incredibly heavy armor um it's a pretty long fight and um we get to we do all of our own stunts so it's uh yeah it's a it's a big week and you're bruised everywhere when it's finished but um yeah it was really interesting to hear that they were shooting at the same time sam's fight and they're shooting leo's fight at a different stage so we could all really amp up that energy and have like that day as like a focal day and just aim for that and then it was just the biggest release of of emotions (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you were bringing up kind of the one-on-one moment that you get that she gets to have with Cora in that that episode as well you know and that's a really really great sequence because again it's just the culmination of everything that your character has been through the entire season really comes into play within that combat um, and I heard that that was something that you were all talking about and working on very intricately in the lead up even to the point where you were kind of practicing it in the hotel and people were like what's happening over in the corner yeah you know, what, what were what were kind of some of the key details that you all really wanted to make sure that you had mapped out in terms of the character interactions between the two of them and some of the moves before you got onto set to film it uh, well, it was difficult for me because Aspion Placia Cora is one of the nicest, loveliest men ever. But in my head, I was just, I, I love to stay in my bubble. And I was like, I'm not going to be nice to him. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm going to stay away from him. And <laughs> But what we really wanted to show was the difference of, you know, he is on the other spectrum of being radicalized in his belief. And Freydis is on the other side. And we wanted to show the extreme differences in the characters where Freydis is impulsive or she refuses to, to bow down, she refuses to give up and she will you know, go until the very end. The way that she fights is, yeah, like we said before, animalistic. And on the other hand, you have Korda who fights with two hands. He's way more controlled. He's very poised. He's that type of like almost monk-like laser focus where Freydis is just trying to, you know, find ins. So I think that was something that we worked a lot with finding the different kind of patterns of moving and finding our different paces. And then we're both really, really tall. So we had to work a lot in appearing to be incredibly close, but at the same time being far away. So we wouldn't actually hit each other, which we unfortunately did a couple of times. And you were mentioning some of the costumes earlier and I mean, they look extraordinarily heavy and, you know, there's a lot of, of handcrafted costumes throughout the series as well. And I love the fact that we get to see Freydis, you know, both in kind of her full armor and then moments where she's in kind of like much softer materials, particularly when it's about her connecting with her religion and connecting with her paganism as well. And so how did those aspects help you particularly in finding details of her as a character by putting on kind of like that external armor or even just the other costumes? Yeah, I mean, we have the most incredible costume department, Susan, and everyone just have created every single thing you see Freydis wear is just handmade. And when she arrives, you know, we wanted the Greenlanders to really stand out. So they have these seal skins, the kind of polar bear fur in different colors and shades than everyone. And through episode two and three, you can see her assimilate into the Viking world wearing the classical green type of, you know, softer tunic and... I really love the whole Uppsala experience. We wanted it to feel almost dreamlike, as in, was she actually there? Is this a fit of, of her imagination? And, you know, that white, the, the purity, we wanted to reflect her 
the, the pureness of her belief, the, you know, the, yeah, the, the purity in that. And um, I, I just have to say, I think my armor is one of the most incredible pieces of clothing or things that I've ever worn in my life. And it is the most heavy. It's the heaviest out of anyone's armor. The boys will not, they, they, they're not going to say that, but it actually is. And it just informs you so much about how it is to fight in it. it. It's very restrictive and you need to constantly go against your impulse of just stopping. So it's a, it's a great carrot to have in front of you when you're fighting to just having to really protect yourself with the shield or having to really reach for something. And when you get knocked down, there's very little acting involved in the fights because when you're knocked down, it, it takes a lot to get back up on your feet because it is very heavy. Was there incredible an incredible amount of intricacy in in working with the hair and makeup department as well? Because I love the fact that it's very authentic. You know, it's like okay, Freitas's hair is braided, but clearly she hasn't brushed it in forever. She hasn't been able to wash herself, and so the crusted br- blood has been on her for three days. But now she's at Harold's and she's had a bath, so like now she's <laughs> cleaner. And like the intricacy in terms of just like tracking and details, and and the details that they add for the weathering as well. You know, we really get to see those moments where you've been out in the elements and we feel like you just haven't even been in any shade and so I was interested in in the detailing of, of all of those aspects yeah we worked very closely me and and Tom our you know makeup designer um to really have that weathered feel I mean for me it was incredibly important to come into this and to you know as a woman in the show being able to have the same amount of breakdown it may sound superficial but for me it was very important that you know, Freitas wouldn't stand out in terms of that she would be less weathered or, or, you know, less bloody or, you know, less muddy. So that was something that we, that was the key word for us was, was authentic. We wanted it to be real. We wanted it to be raw. And also when you look at like the class aspect of society where Freitas, you know, she sleeps kind of on the floor with Jarl Håkon. She doesn't have servants. I mean, you see Jarl Håkon and she got little gold things in her hair and, you know, she's, representing her town and her people so of course she needs to look representative and then you have queen emma on the other hand who's the wealthiest woman in europe and she's the queen of england of course she's going to be perfectly poised and and clean and for freitas it's just she she doesn't she doesn't care about that for me that was great um i'm very happy with the end result because i feel like it really shows who freitas is and she's not you know informed about the way she looks, she just acts on, on her instincts. No, I really, I really loved that, that authenticity and the detailing as well. And then lastly, um, you know, I was interested in some of the attributes that, that your kind of incredible career in modeling really have given you as an actor, because, you know, I've heard you describe how it gave you a lot of time to really think about the expression on your face and, and, you know, even just coming onto set and kind of having already an astute awareness of of light and camera and placement and how you're being captured in the story that you're telling. Um, how have you found that a lot of the, the tools and attributes and skills that you developed working in modeling have really, really kind of served you in a way where you're not necessarily having to think as consciously about some of those external details and you can really just focus even more on character? Yeah, I, I think what you said is, is absolutely true. I feel like all of those years just working and being hyper aware, but at the same time being being able to completely dissociate yourself to your face and your body really helped. I feel like the main objective of any actor is to go in and not be aware and you know to be in the moment and, and discovering things. And I feel like all of those years working 
you know, very closely with your face, very closely with your body has really helped me in, in terms of being able to not be conscious about that. And it's, it's, it's really nice when you don't have to feel that you're constantly aware of everything that's happening around you. It's just some kind of like impulse that, you know, in the back of your head going, oh yeah, that's a little nice light bounces there. Let's do this a little bit. <laughs> um, but also I feel like it gave me, um, a really great understanding of working with my body and, you know, shaping things in terms of the physicality and the way I worked with movement throughout my career as a model. I feel like that really was really helpful in, in, in yeah, for this. No, I think that's really fantastic. And, and it's so great to hear those details as well as everything on the show. Congratulations on such a great first season. And thank you so much for sharing all of this. Really appreciate it, Frida. Oh, thank you so much. It was absolutely my pleasure.